Welcome to the Searching for Skylab podcast, and I am Sean, and with me is Dwight. Hi, Sean. How are you going? I'm fine. I was worried you weren't going to chime in there. Yeah, well, you thought wrong, didn't you? <laughs> there was an awkward silence, but we're all good now. We're all good now. And Dwight, uh, people are probably listening to this podcast. Maybe they discovered it on their feeds. Maybe uh, some dark internet shadowy figures made them download this i don't know so maybe we should start off by saying what this show is about um who we are and uh what we're going to be talking about in the next few episodes um i think that's a great idea yeah yeah so i'll kick us off so i'm sean um and we've known each other for a while dwight you and i um and i got to know you before you were a filmmaker is that right and you hadn't Uh, done anything at that point right that is correct you knew me as just a uh tv technician uh working in a in a studio uplinking uh, feeds to satellites and so forth yeah um and i had just uh written i think two books about space travel which was my uh, alter ego well you know when i come home from work i don my space historian um superhero cape and uh as one does books. well yes and uh, well I, I i've managed to get you infected with the bug too i, I yeah. noticed that yeah, so I wasn't much of a space fan or, you know, I, I, as much as anyone else, I guess. Uh, I was interested in space and uh, space travel and things like that. But uh, interestingly enough, when it came to Skylab, I knew that it was a space station, but I, I actually knew very, very little about it. And only later on, when we started discussing Skylab, uh, did I get more educated about it. And um, I guess that's kind of what brings us here. So before we start, the whole point of this is you made a film called Searching for Skylab. Um, and we're going to get to that. We'll talk about that pretty soon. But uh, I thought we'd start off by figuring out how you got to Skylab and why and uh, where it all started. So yeah, good good thing that you mentioned the books. So it all started with some books that you wrote. Uh, why didn't you tell us uh, that full history, Dwight, of where it all started? Well, it actually goes further back, oh. much, much further back. I'm afraid we don't have the kind of time. That's the end of the show, folks. and so yes so i made a film and go buy it what i'm basically trying to say with my film is buy my movie that is my main thing buy my movie (laughs) no actually that is not why we're here dwight i mean that is maybe why you're here but actually what we found um and maybe this is a good thing to do at the top of the show is is explain this what we found uh, like like i was saying earlier i didn't know much about skylab and when I started um, talking to some people, uh, for those of you who don't know, I was asked by Dwight to do a song for the film. Um, my band was asked. And uh, as I started telling more and more people that I was doing a song for a documentary about Skylab, I got a lot of blank looks and they were kind of like, Skylab, what is that? What, what is that? And um, it, it's something that we, 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 we got to talking about and we were thinking, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we actually got some of this information out. And of course, Dwight, you made this film. Um, so you, and you wrote some uh, mission uh, mission reports, I guess, or, or books with some mission reports. And so you, you're, you're a Skylab expert. And we thought, hey, let's share some of Dwight's expertise. 
Well, yeah. I mean, like I, like I said before, it goes further back than that. Uh, when I was 10 years old, I was at school. This is in Sydney, Australia. And uh, another student had posted up on the principal's uh, window looking out into the main courtyard, Skylab is falling. And I had a picture of Skylab. And I read it. And I'm like, oh, huh? What's, what's this all about? And that was maybe two or three days before the thing impacted in Western Australia. Right. And the night before it, it hit, you know, myself and, and a lot of my friends went to bed terrified that it would hit us and only us. <laughs> so it was with much relief that I woke up the next uh, morning and figured out that it had impacted just, uh, you know, land in, in Western Australia. No one was injured. There were reports of one cow being killed, but uh, right. that's never been confirmed. Casualty of space travel, I guess. Exactly. And that was my introduction to, to Skylab. That I, I do remember when I was a little boy, very little on television, seeing news reports from it. But uh, I was too young to understand what was going on. But in 1979, as uh, being 10 years old, uh, I knew full well what that entailed. And so we watched that. And then there was, of course, the, the Miss Universe uh, uh, pageant that happened in Perth, I think, two weeks later. Okay. And that's where we got to see debris of Skylab on live television. And, on, uh, on the beauty pageant? On the beauty pageant, yes. <clears throat> I do. Uh, it, it, not that I um, uh, am giving away uh, illegal stuff or anything like that, but if you look on Ooh. YouTube hard enough, you might be Ooh. able to find the telecast. Of uh, the be what, what year was that? 1979. 1979. 1979. Uh, I think Donny Osmond was the one that uh, was standing in front of the relic and uh, okay. talking about it. So you got, you got fascinated at quite a young age then at that age, at that at that age. What what was the next step for you, Dwight? Did you read up all you could about it, or no? Did, did you um, dream of space travel yourself? I did. Well, I I uh, grew up with Lost in Space, the television show produced yeah. in in the United States in the sixties. Yeah. Um, nineteen seventy seven went and saw Star Wars, and that completely changed my life around because sure. I walked out of the cinema and went, "That's what I want to do for yeah. for the rest of my life is make movies." Uh -huh. Um, and then Battlestar Galactica, Buck Rogers, all that sort of stuff that was on okay. the television in the early eighties. And it wasn't until 1989 when they rebroadcast on American television um, the live telecast of Apollo 11. And I specifically stayed up to watch it. It was done at the, the same time as it originally was 20 years earlier and recorded it on uh, on videotape. And that was my first introduction to proper space travel. Right. Um, as it was for many, I, I guess. Well, you know, being able to sit there and watch the entire telecast and not just the first five seconds, um, yeah. it was in, incredible to, to watch. And, of course, at that time there was no internet, so I had to uh, poke around with books and things. And it wasn't oh really God. until the internet started that I uh, that I got into to space travel properly. And that was okay. uh, a box set of NASA the first 25 years, and it had uh, DVDs of stuff, Apollo missions, and there was a little segment there about Skylab. Ah, all right. So that's so that's kind of where it all came back to you. Exactly. And that would full have been circle. from 1999 uh, onwards. And then okay. in 2003, 2004, I, I started collecting information to write my first book, which was Live TV from the Moon. And I got in yep. touch with Stan Labar, who was the uh, the head of the Westinghouse Lunar Television Program. Okay. And I was speaking to him via telephone every third day for approximately four hours, a telephone call. 
and we would talk about all things television and all things Apollo, but he would always t turn the conversation going, okay, what we did on Apollo was great, but you have to see the Skylab stuff. That's where we started getting really, really good at sending television back to Earth. And I'm like, what? Skylab? The thing that crashed in my backyard? And he was like, yeah, yeah, you, you know, trust me. And I was lucky very, very shortly afterwards mm -hmm. to find somebody on eBay selling a whole bunch of um, NASA archive tapes, uh, VHS copies. Right. And they all had the slate in, in the front of them. And so I could tell what date they were from, what mission, and what actually the, the telecast was about. So I started to, to look at that, and I'm thinking, whoa, the science on this is actually really, really cool. Um, Stan was right. you know. So then I started uh, considering doing a second book, which was Live TV from Orbit. Mm -hmm. And that's the one that dealt with Skylab, Apollo Soyuz Test Project, and the development of space shuttle television right. systems. Okay. And while I was doing that, I, I was really hooked on all the Skylab stuff, and I had to put all the, the material into order because it was haphazardly recorded on the VHS tapes. And that's where I really started to get an appreciation for what they were doing up there. Right. Amazing. So just to, cut, just to go back to uh, live TV from the moon, what was the connection between space travel and TV? Why, why specifically uh, that angle? That goes back to watching Apollo 11 and then subsequently the later missions that were in color. And I was querying, why do you see this confetti artifacting every time there's fast motion on the screen? You know, you see red, blue, and green trailing behind a, an object that's moving across the screen. Right. And I was thinking, well, you know, I'm in television. I would like to know why is that? And started to research for material just for my own curiosity. And one folder became two folders, became 20 folders, became 40 folders. And by that time, somebody said to me, why don't you write a book? You've got enough uh, material. Right. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I actually do. Why uh -huh. not? And I started looking around. No one had written about how television had been developed for Apollo. So I sat down and started doing it, not realizing that it would uh, just open this floodgate of information and right. um, stuff that just blew me away when I was reading about it and how they, you know, push technology forward. And I was just yeah. so impressed with it. Okay. And and, and I, that's kind of what we're getting at. You, you're in television right now, right? That's, uh, that's basically uh, your side job. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so how did you get to deciding that you wanted to make a movie about Skylab? Actually, similar to the way the book came about, somebody else recommended it for me. Uh, there is a, a, a group on Facebook called Space Hipsters, okay. which has a lot of space enthusiasts on there. There is another group called Skylab, Apollo Soyuz, and 70s Enthusiasts. Right. I didn't get involved with them until after I had started the movie. Okay. Um, but they are also a group of enthusiasts, and, and actually you never know who pops in there once in a while – there's some familiar names that come up and go, uh, is it? Yes, it is. Uh, we've had astronauts pop in. We've had uh, children of astronauts. So anyway, coming back to Space Hipsters, and while I was doing live TV from Orbit and the Skylab mission reports, I would, on anniversary dates, post whatever segment of video I had, and somebody turned around, and I was pity, I was trying to find the comment where, because I really love to credit this person, I, don't, I can't remember who it was, and they said to me, um, 
look, Dwight, you, you post all this great video. You've got so much of it. Why don't you make a movie? And I'm thinking, yeah, actually, why don't I? Uh, again, not realizing the amount of work that would be involved, <laughs> especially, I mean, it's completely different to writing a book. There is a lot yeah. more work. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I started to, to, you know, reach out and, and figure out uh, who might be wanting to come on board. And I started looking for mission audio and was um, requesting tapes be pulled from the archives at Johnson Space Center. And while I was doing that, I was looking specifically for other material. And I was asking around on, on hipsters and on Facebook in general. And I was given the contact of Stephen Slater, who ended up being our archive producer. And uh, I was told he had a very extensive collection of 16 millimeter transfers from NASA material. Okay. So I sent him an email and I said, have you got Skylab stuff? And he says, yes, I do. Here's the list. And my jaw hit the ground. <laughs> and so I uh, arranged for him to send me out some screeners, which were the footage, but with uh, watermarks in them, uh, timecode watermarks. And right. I'm watching this footage going, hey, no one has seen this since it was filmed. I've right. never seen this material in any other documentaries. Right. And, I, and that's where I finally realized, you know what? Yes, we can pull this film off. Okay. Uh, it, it went from being a little backyard project that, uh, you know, it'll be nice to put on, on YouTube and, you know, see who, who's interested yeah. to this is something we can play in the cinemas. Okay. And uh, that's when it started. Then we we flew um, all around the world and interviewed people involved with Skylab, whether they were engineers, astronomers, um, tracking staff, astronauts themselves, children of astronauts, mm -hmm. anybody, experts. And we amassed a lot of uh, material on, on tape. Uh, some of the astronauts who we interviewed in the meantime have passed away. And I didn't realize it at the time, but that was the last time that they would ever give interviews. Wow. Um, so I am just so happy that we, we managed to record their recollections before it was too late. Yeah. And that's uh, something we're going to talk about in one of the later episodes is uh, we're going to look into the some of the astronauts that you interviewed. But what was interesting for me is that a lot of these guys went up to space and Skylab's kind of... What I found really interesting is that uh, you were interviewing these astronauts. Some of these guys had stories that uh, the mainstream public doesn't know about. And, um, yeah, that was that was what was quite interesting for me, uh, that you're telling these stories that that uh, maybe need to be told to a wider audience. Well, that was uh, very evident in the very first interview we filmed uh, for the movie uh, with Bernard Smith, who was at the very start of the film. And we, you know, we thanked him for his time. He spent a, an hour and a half at our place, and you know, we we decked out the living room uh, to look like a studio. And at the end of it, he just looked at me and he said, "You know, just thank you so much. I'm so happy to tell this to somebody who's at least interested." Yeah, amazing. Or Bruce McCandless. Uh, people don't know his name, but they definitely know who he is when you show them the photo of him floating in space in the jetpack, right, untethered. Yeah. yeah. Now. You think, oh, he's just an astronaut. Uh, he he flew that because he was trained to do it. Not the case at all. He actually developed that unit with uh, several other people. Mm. And when I met him in person, and I just said, Bruce, you know, you've done a lot of good stuff on the shuttle, but 
what you were doing in Skylab and the support you were giving for Skylab. That that why has that never been told about? And I could see his face light up. It was like finally somebody yeah. is giving me recognition for the stuff that really, really mattered in my yeah, life. Of course, I mean these guys have been into space for goodness' sake. It's it's uh, it's stuff that deserves to be heard and known about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, uh, fortunately for me, unfortunate that it is the case, they uh, they have not been recognised. So they were more than happy to tell their story because somebody was there who actually cared about what they had to say. Right. And I nothing against the Apollo guys, but uh, I'm pretty sure we got a lot more openness from everybody because they had never had a chance to say it. You know, yeah. if you're an astronaut and you've, you've been asked 50 million times, what's it like to walk on the moon? Yeah. You, you know, you're tired of telling that story. Exactly. Exactly. And when you're a Skylab astronaut, People instead of you know instead of somebody saying well what what was Skylab that goes oh when you're on Skylab and you had to deploy the parasol and you'll see them just go well huh you know what I did hello yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing so as I said we're going to get into in in some later episodes we're going to talk a lot more about the Skylab missions we're going to talk a lot more about what went wrong uh, how NASA saved the the uh, mission from complete disaster or uh, from potential disaster uh, but. For this first episode, Dwight, uh, why Skylab? What is so interesting about Skylab? Why is Skylab? Uh, why should it be interesting to us? Because I mean, we we're in the uh, anniversary of the moon landing now this year, t- 2019, and there's going to be a lot of attention on that, which is fine. It's deserved. I mean, it's an, it was an amazing feat that w- that that occurred. But what what is interesting about Skylab? Why 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 do you think it's interesting, and why do you think people don't know about it? Why is it such a secret? Well, it fell in the shadow of Apollo, and that's partly the reason why people don't care about it, because it came at a time where people were of the mentality, we've landed on the moon, we've beaten the Russians, I want to watch I Love Lucy. Why is the television (laughs) uh, not showing me I Love Lucy? Right. And um, Skylab was just not interesting for the general public, and news reports of the time even mentioned this fact until the space station launched and there were problems that threatened to destroy the 2.2 billion dollar program yeah and that's when the press suddenly got involved again because oh, uh, here drama I mean, there's drama, a story danger suspense you know yeah and uh, again the sl2 mission the one that went up and finally saved the thing they got a lot of coverage the two missions that followed exponentially went down as far as television coverage, radio coverage, and general public interest. And when you read about what they were doing, the solar observations, um, Emily Carney, who was in the film, she's a Skylab expert, Mm -hmm. she says Skylab rewrote the textbook on solar physics. Right. And they learned in the, uh, the several months that there were manned observations of solar activity, they learned more in, in those few months than they did in the entire time preceding the launch of Skylab. Yeah. Um, they filmed a lot of solar activity which had never been filmed before, and this stuff even today is impressive to watch. Right. Right. They, uh, they conducted experiments that were devised by high school students in the United States. Um, the kids themselves, you, you listen to them talk and you go, oh, my God, I feel like a complete moron compared to these guys. 
there was a lot of data collected on how people can live for long periods of time in mm -hmm. space. And we were at uh, ESA two years ago, and I asked the astronauts there, you know, how much data has been used from Skylab to help plan ISS missions? And the response we got was there is so much data that they collected, we do not have enough scientists to be able to analyze it all. And I'm thinking wow. that is 45 years after they had yeah. launched. Yeah, it's absolutely fascinating, Dwight. And uh, that's why I'm, uh, I've seen the movie and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really amazing to see, even for a, like, let's say someone who's a bit of a, uh, doesn't know so much about space travel and about these missions, it was absolutely fascinating for me to watch. So... Searching for Skylab, the film is it's out. It's been released, right? You had a you had a, a for the film release a few weeks ago in, in February. We did. We had our premiere in Huntsville. Uh, we had a sneak peek in July of last year mm -hmm. at Space Fest, which is an event that occurs in Arizona, uh, where astronauts and uh, all space people anyone involved in space uh, if they can make it they go to that place because it is the premier location to go to right and uh we we sneak peeked the film there and i figured well we'll get uh, audience feedback from the very people that if they're going to pull a film apart for factual inaccuracy they'll do it to our film <laughs> and we got about 100 questionnaires back from, from people who, who had watched the film, uh, some of them including people like Mark Armstrong, um, Neil Armstrong's son, mm -hmm. uh, Mary Lausma, Jack Lausma's uh, daughter, right, and Ed Gibson, who actually flew up on SL4, uh, the very last mission. And we took all the, the suggestions on board and modified the film to make sure that it was falling within you know accuracy parameters that i was insistent we had like what we don't do in this film is show footage from the wrong mission and substitute yeah. for something we want to portray okay. i either use the photo or we use computer graphics but we don't swap the footage right uh, to the best of my knowledge you know I'm, okay. I'm relying very much on on the uh the notes left with the film canisters um we uh we then premiered the film in Huntsville, February the 8th, which was the 45th anniversary of the splashdown of SL4, the last mission. Yeah. We had Jack Lausmer and Ed Gibson in attendance, along with the former wife and now widow of Alan Bean, who commanded SL3, and okay. his daughter, Amy Sue. And we had a whole bunch of experts, David Hitt, who wrote the book Homesteading Space with Joe Kerwin and Owen Garriott. Mm -hmm. Uh, we had Owen Garriott, Richard Garriott, and Jerry Carr join us via Skype. And while the film was playing, and I didn't realize this until we were sitting in the auditorium ready to show the film, David Hitt says to me, oh, we just got uh, word here of the flight path of the ISS. It will fly directly overhead while the film is playing. <laughs> it's a sign, Dwight. It is, it is. And then uh, we officially released it on March the 5th uh, via Vimeo where it can be purchased or rented. And yeah. we've uploaded a couple of cool little bonus features as well that you can have a look at. Uh, but the film is definitely there. It's, a, it's available to watch. And uh, we've gotten nothing but great feedback since we've released it. So That's great. That's good. That's good to I'm, hear. I'm assuming I've done something right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, I'm assuming so too. I, as I said, I love the film. Uh, so that's available on Vimeo. Um, 
you mentioned David Hitt, and you he was his book was actually one of those that you read quite early on in your Skylab uh, fascination, right? Yes, yes. So, what, um, so what was that like? Because he he he's one of the people that you interview in the film, um, and plus the astronauts. So, as a as a Skylab fan, here you are, a, a, a normal mortal human being, and you're basically interviewing your heroes, and then you have a film uh, debut, which is seen by some of your heroes sitting there in the auditorium. Um, that what was that like? That must have been pretty spectacular. Uh, I'll tell you the story about how David hit it influenced me. There were there were two books that were out back when I was writing live TV from the moon, and I had taken two weeks uh, annual leave off to to make sure I could finish writing the book because I was running to a deadline. Right. And I was in the UK at the time, where my at that time girlfriend, now wife Alexandra, was living, and I would do minimum eight hours a day of just writing and writing and writing, and I you know, after four hours, you just you have to stop. So yeah. I went, I went uh, to a town called Kingston, which had a bookshop, Waterstones, and I went in there and I, I had read so much stuff on Apollo. I was like, oh, okay, let's see what they have. And then I look up and I see Homesteading Space, uh, which is David Hitt's book about Skylab, and I'm like, you know, I'm in the mood for something different. I will get that one. And right. so I bought that, and I had the one from David Shaler, uh, which is also called Skylab, and read both of them. And that th those two books completely changed my opinion of Skylab because there I could see, uh, before I had properly analysed the the video footage, mm -hmm. just how great these missions were, and yeah. very unsung um, in 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 the history of of space travel. Right, right. And then, and then there you were in in the auditorium with all these guys plus astronauts. That that must have blown your mind. Well, uh, David was great enough to to allow us to stay at his place uh, oh. while we were in Huntsville, <laughs> and I got to see his mecca of of space stuff. Ooh, uh, I, I, I bet you geeked out there. Uh, I did, I did. I had to sign a disclaimer that said I would leave everything where it was. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, a funny thing is I saw a couple of my own books on his bookshelf and I'm thinking, oh. ah. You probably just bought them before you came. You thought, No, oh, actually, I, better, I sent I them to him. Some... So. <laughs> well, yeah, if you're giving them away for free, the people are going to put them on their bookshelves, Dwight. Yes, well, it, uh, talking to David actually first came about when I did the follow-up live TV from Orbit. And uh, I, I sent him an email and said, look, the, the stuff you have in the book, can I can I quote a couple of pages you know, and I wanted to make sure I had permission. And he said, it sounds like fair use. So he contacted his publisher. The publisher was fine with it. Mm -hmm. That's how our friendship started. And I said, look, I'll send you a copy of the book when it's finished. So at least, you know, you get something for allowing me to use the material in your book. Right. And that's that's where our uh, friendship and contact developed. And um, it was when we were in Huntsville the first time that I first met him for real, which in this day and age of the internet you know there are so many people i have known for years and years and years yes. that I met like last year or yeah. before and that's the amazing thing about a project like this is that it actually brings those people together that maybe have been hanging out on facebook groups or forums or anything everything like that they, they finally come together that's amazing yeah yeah and I, I must say you know making a film is not an easy road it's uh it's a rocky road. There's yeah. highs, there's lows, there's challenges, there's things that fall into your lap. There, there were yeah. plenty yeah. of times where I was stressing, how are we going to show the student experiments? And boom, suddenly I find the material. And yeah. within within days, 
um, or Diana Morton, who who arranged to get all the kinescopes that we use in the film. Mm-hmm. She would call me, uh, you know, late at night, knowing um, I, w- I was on evening shift, and go, "Here's here's a list of some films I, I, I can get for you." And I'm reading them, going, "Oh yes. my god, how do I get all of yes. these?" So I I actually went to the bank to get a loan to to pay for these things because I right. thought. You know, if I don't get these and they go to somebody else, they will probably sit in an attic for the next 20 years. And who's going to see that footage? No yeah. one. Yeah. And yeah. there was a little bit of altruism in me that said, you know, I want the world to see this stuff. You know, I'd like them to pay to be able to see it because we invested a lot of money in making the film. Yeah. But uh, my objective for making this film is I wanted to get the word out about this really, really cool space station that people seem to have forgotten about. Right. Uh, has it all been worth it, Dwight? Because I know that there were some pretty dark moments in between where things weren't falling into place and where uh, it maybe looked like things weren't going to come together. Has that all been worth it now that the film's out there? Depending on my mood, yes. Depending <laughs> on my other mood, no. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, <laughs> I think I think the general public can be happier that they're, that this film exists. Uh, it, it's going to sound weird, but uh, I had this feeling a long, long time ago that I was destined right. to do this film. Okay. There you yeah. go. Um, yeah. I hope people like it. You know, we've, we've, as I said, we've gotten great reviews so far. Um, we just need to get the word out that the film is out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I think it, it's, it's been such fun talking to you, Dwight. And I think we're, um, I'm looking forward to the rest of the episodes that are going to come. So in the, in the next few weeks, we're going to be releasing an episode of this podcast, I would say every two weeks. Um, we're going to be discussing... As I said earlier at the top of the show, we're going to be discussing the problems that Skylab had, the, dr- the drama that they had when they launched. Um, we're going to be talking about some of the experiments that happened um, and also going more into the making of the movie to, hit, to learn about that. And we're also going to be talking about the astronauts behind Skylab, the, the astronauts, uh, some of your stories of the astronauts, Dwight, um, and some of the stories that they tell and the untold stories maybe that are coming out in the movie. So I'm very, very much looking forward to the 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 rest of this these podcast episodes well there might even be a special one for uh the episode we do about restoring the footage and what type of footage we use because absolutely i think that needs to be seen as well as heard absolutely i I think that might have to be an episode on its own yes that's like the special edition yeah you have a website as well searching for skylab.com that's right. And we have a newsletter that we uh, offer to, to people that want to read it. We send those out, uh, at least we try once a month or when breaking news is happening. And it just explains a little bit about like what we were talking now, the making of the film, how the film yeah. came about and so forth. There you have all the information about uh, where you can see the movie on Vimeo, um, some background information about the people who made the movie, uh, and some information on Skylab itself, plus some blogs that you're writing, Dwight. You're a blogger now. I'm a blogger now, yes, thanks to this funny, <laughs> strange fellow I know who originally comes from South Africa. The he South helped me African get guy. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, so Spe- you- speaking of which, there's another site we, uh, we need to send people to, and that is the uh, Bandcamp website for Tencent Janes. Oh, which- Tencent Janes, yes, yes. That's the, that's the song that my band wrote for the film, and I think we may touch on that when we get to the making of the film episode. But, uh, yeah, you can go to Tencent Janes, uh, find us on Bandcamp, and uh, the song is called Horizon Riders, and you heard some of it at the start and the end of the show.
Um, yes, and uh, that if they immediately turned off, turn it back on and listen again. Don't turn it off. What are you turning it off for? Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you've listened this far, I really hope you stick around for the episodes that we've got coming up. We're going to go really deep into the Skylab information that we got. Aren't we, Dwight? Real deep. Yes, yes, we are. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yes, we are. Um, yeah, as, as I said, searching for skylab.com. Check it out. Uh, send Dwight messages if you have any information if you've seen the film if you've got some feedback for him dwight would love to hear from you there's a searching for skylab group on facebook it's on twitter dwight you're all over the social medias aren't you yes i am i am much to the uh, annoyance of certain people i would imagine but uh tough <laughs> tough luck thanks for listening everyone we'll see you next time <laughs>